G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Douglas Moo, who is a writer on Romans 6, he asks a question that I reckon we've all asked at one time or another uh, in our Christian lives uh, as people who believe in the historic and real and actual um, death of Christ on the cross on a day in history and his resurrection to life uh, on a day in history. And the, the question is this, uh, have you ever wondered something like it? So there's a bit of a preamble. Doug Moo says, Paul has shown how God's gracious act in Christ, you know, when appropriated by faith, when we've taken that on by faith, puts people in a new relationship with God and assures them that they will be saved from wrath in the last day. Here's the question. What has this to do with life in this present age? Anything? What has this to do with life in this present age? Anything? Does life look different? This life, our life, the life that we actually live, life in a world with pandemic and lockdown and having to sit several seats away from one another uh, at particular times and uh, with holiday plans and with border closures, actual life, normal life, real human life, uh, with work pressures, with strains at home from time to time and joys as well. What does uh, the gospel of the historic, you know, real, actual death and resurrection of Christ have to do with actual life in the present age? What does it mean that we believe in God's grace towards us in Christ, the gospel of, the Jesus, of, of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, that we live in this present age? What has Christ to do with life in the present age? Anything? Doug Moo asks. Now, friends, we were on the live stream last week. So last week, we began our series in Romans. We started at chapter 5, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans in the New Testament in our Bibles. And in case you haven't uh, read it recently or don't know much about Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote what would become one of the most influential documents in all of human history. I mean, that's, that, I don't think that's an exaggeration, is it? And he wrote it as a letter to the Christians who were in Rome in the first century AD. Uh, the Apostle Paul, and he sent it to the Christians there in Rome. Romans is rich, as we've been seeing, rich with sweet truths. Uh, it's, um, it's like rich icing, kind of full, but it's dense, isn't it? Like mud cake. It's dense and uh, rewards every single bite, but it is heavy going. Nevertheless, as we've just heard it read. Now, uh, Paul spent the first four chapters, now five, unpacking God's grace toward you in Christ. That's where he's been. Uh, the good news of Christ Jesus, that he died for your sin, Christian, to bring you to God in complete forgiveness. We couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't fake it or pretend it. He has done it. So have you put your faith in Christ? Right? That's where Paul's been. Uh, do you know your God through Jesus? Won't you know your God through Jesus? Uh, but here's Doug Moo again. So Paul has shown how God's gracious act in Christ, when appropriated by faith, puts people into a new relationship with God and assures them uh, that they will be saved from wrath in the last day. What has this to do with life in this present age? Anything? 
And Doug Moo, with Romans 6 in view, he provides his own answer. What has this to do with life in this present age? Anything? Everything, Paul asserts in Romans 6. Let's pray as we uh, get into Romans 6 together now. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we want to thank you, first of all. We want to thank you that the good news of the Son of God come into the world for the sake of our lives has reached our ears and changed us forever. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Dear God, we confess uh, that there are times, uh, and perhaps we say this with some shame, when we struggle a bit to see the connection between all of that back then and our lives right now. Oh God, would you help us to bridge that gap this morning? Uh, indeed, if Doug Moo's right, uh, to see that there's no gap at all. Repair our thinking, please, with your word and renew our living before you and refresh our joy and our hope uh, to bring our risen Saviour greater glory in our lives, we ask. And for Christ's sake, we ask it, please. Amen. So what is the gospel to do with this uh, present age, life in this present age? I think uh, Tim Chester puts his finger on uh, one area of our lives where we wish it had a greater influence, um, had more to do with us, with ordinary life. Uh, it's one of those more painful aspects of our Christian lives um, uh, together. And I suspect we can all relate to this, can't we? Whether we're a believer or not actually here this morning. Here's Tim Chester. He says, he's sort of recalling an experience. Please forgive me and set me free. I don't know how many times I've prayed that prayer, he says. It must be in the hundreds. Father, here I am again, confessing the same sin to you again. Every time I have to remind myself of God's merciful character and gospel promises. I'm forgiven, but I also really want to change. And Chester asks, have you despaired of ever changing? Do you think you're a lost cause? Maybe you think it's different for you. Other people can change. But your history or temptations or problems make it different for you. Now, friends, Romans chapter 6, as you heard Peter read it to us a few moments ago, we're talking about sin in the Christian life, uh, sin in our lives. Uh, let me just make a couple of comments. Uh, firstly, can I say this uh, fairly quickly, hopefully cover it quickly? Sin, according to the Bible, it isn't the way that the word is often used in popular culture. So sin isn't, according to the Bible, all that petty little, silly little, unimportant, uh, you know, naughty little, but kind of in a cheeky way, stuff that for some unknown reason gets under God's skin, right? That's not sin, according to the Bible. Um, have you heard the word used that way in popular culture? Uh, as if it's honestly just meaningless, insignificant. Why does God even care about that kind of stuff? No, no, as we've been seeing in the Bible, sin, it is both that fundamental brokenness that is inside of us. It seems to be woven into who we are since the fall, at least. It's the flaws and failings that we, well, we hate about ourselves and wish we were better than. And it's the wretched, messed up stuff that flows out of us, uh, that comes from us in actual life, in actual acts. Uh, in fact, can I say, it's slightly worse than that because it's not just what saddens me, disappoints me, what I don't like about myself, it's what God sees, which is worse, do you see, uh, because he sees it clearly, he sees it truly, he sees it without bias, 
unclouded by the uh, pleasure or uh, uh, um, sense that sin gives me from my selfish perspective. Uh, And it's worse because he hates it with a purity, you know, biblically speaking, and a love for what is good. What's good for me, what's good for the people whose lives I kind of mess up and taint and spoil. Sin is in all of us, Romans 5, we saw that last week, and it ruins us. Now, second quick thing regarding sin. Uh, Do you know the three P's of sin in Christian thought? Three P's? You call them to mind. So firstly, the penalty. And Christian, I want to say clearly, you are free. This is Romans 1 to 5. You are free uh, from the penalty in Christ from your sin. Do you realise that? Have you taken hold of that? Free from it. When you look ahead to meeting Christ on that last day, you need not fear the penalty for your sin, Christian. Penalty, you're free. Christian, though, secondly... You are not free, and you know this, don't you, from the presence of sin in your earthly life. Uh, You will be, we will be. Uh, When Christ returns uh, in glory, the presence of sin will haunt us no more when Jesus restores and renews the world that we are in. But thirdly, Christian, are you free from its power? Okay, penalty, presence, are you free from its power? Are you? Sin's power in your life today? What did Chester say? Please forgive me and set me free. Are you free? Have you, uh, what did Chester say? Have you despaired of ever changing? Do you think you're a lost cause? Is it different for you? Brothers and sisters, let's dive in. Romans 6. Are we free from the power of sin in our present lives or not? Uh, Today, I'm going to say that we are. You are, Christian, free from the power of sin. I'm not saying you won't fail. I'm not saying I don't fail. I wouldn't pretend that. I do fail. But I am saying that Christ has freed us from the penalty, yes, and from the power of sin, just as he will free us one day from its presence in this world. And to give the game away, I am saying that we step into our Christian life lived free of the power of sin when we begin to live like our life is actually going to last forever. We step into our Christian life, live free of the power of sin, when we begin to live like our life will last forever. Will we live like life lasts forever? Or are we playing dead at the present time when it comes to sin in our lives. Enough talk, let's get into Romans. I've got five really quick points to rattle through with Romans 6. Paul begins with this outrageous claim that Christian, you are long dead. You are dead already. Have you realised that? You are dead according to Romans 6. In fact, you cannot hope to have freedom from sin until you embrace that fact. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 reads, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. 
In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Friends, what do you make of that passage? What sticks out to you? Can I say that for some of us here, um, uh, perhaps some of us who have grown up in a different church tradition, uh, maybe as adults, we're Christians, we're believers, but we haven't been baptised. What sticks out to you in this verse? Or perhaps uh, you, you teenagers, again, from a different church tradition, you absolutely, you've figured out, you believe in Jesus, not baptised. I wonder what sticks out to you. Can I just say, this isn't really a passage about baptism. Uh, just as, this is an aside. What I want to say is please don't be upset. If you're a Christian, you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that he died for you but you haven't been baptised yet, um, because Paul is not trying to drive a wedge between Christians, between believers, by talking about, by using baptism as sort of the defining symbol of us here. For Paul, it's just shorthand. He could have said, oh, Christian, or he could have said, oh, baptised one. It's just a shorthand, do you see? Uh, so when you became a Christian, that is, when you got baptised, you see how Paul's using it there? Um, now, if, if, come and chat with me later if you'd like to talk more about baptism or get baptised. I'd actually love to have that conversation with you. But let's have that for another time. Uh, but Christian, you want to live without sin in your life, do you? You want to live with a transformed, a liberated, a set free, a new you kind of life, no longer stuck, no longer locked, no longer frustrated and bound by sin. Step one, admit, face the reality that you are dead. Embrace that reality, but not in your grave. You are dead in Christ's grave. Uh, you aren't just guilty of a few little insignificant, silly, naughty little... No, no, the Son of God lay in a grave for your sin, died on a cross, dead, but that was your body on the cross. Have you got that? Do you remember last week, Romans 5, death came to all, why? Because all sinned, Romans 5 verse 12. So we worship a God who... If he's going to take away our sin and deal with it, we, he won't sweep it under the carpet. He's not going to pretend everything's fine, actually, between us and him. That's not a wonderful world. That's a fraud of a world. We worship a God who will crush sin to death, but he's done it, brothers and sisters. Your death and mine in the grave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot truly live unless my sin meets death. Have we come to terms with that? Verse four, uh, verse 4, have a look there. You were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So secondly then, uh, so firstly, every Christian has died in Christ. Secondly then, every Christian will live. Now the question that I have is, as we keep reading, when? When is this living that we're all supposed to do? Uh, you know, what has this to do with life in the present age? Anything? When? Uh, verse 5, read with me there. For if we have been united with him, Christ, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. But keep reading. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Brothers and sisters, what did you make? When? When? Every Christian, that is you, will live. But is that only when Christ returns? Well, certainly it's when Christ returns. There's no question about whether that will be the case. So verse 5, we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 8, we will also live with him. But what about now? What about the intervening period? Are we really alive now in a sense of being free from sin? Are we under the power of sin just until then? And God, please speed the day. Are we doomed now to repeat our mistakes and just perpetuate our regrets and multiply our own miseries and the miseries that we inflict on the people around us? How long, O Lord, does our sin reduce us to praying that prayer? Friends, I I think verse 6 gives us more than just a way off then distant hope, doesn't it, verse 6? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. No longer, do you see? Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Come down to verse 11 with me, because I think Paul is telling you, Christian, you are alive right now in a way that you weren't before you became a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus. Christ's death, your death, it's in the past. And that means life now is really life, like real life. So thirdly then, every Christian lives right now. Uh, So verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, Because you're not under law, but under grace. Well, what were the three Ps? Penalty, presence, and power. Here, does Paul speak as if the power of sin rules in your Christian life, brother or sister, does he? No, verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin. What does it say? but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Is that how you count yourself? Verse 12, do not let sin reign. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. More on the law next week. 
And yet, friends, can we still relate uh, to a sense, to a feeling, uh, an experience of powerlessness? Um, Habitual, perhaps? Um, Ingrained, it feels, in the ways that I speak and the things that I do and the stuff that I ruminate over. Overpowering, it feels, at times. Now, to that, I think Paul is saying, Christian, here's what you need to do. Have you checked your pulse recently? Have you checked your pulse recently? It's one thing to say that sin doesn't have any power over me anymore, but have you checked your pulse? Because if you're playing dead, for all intents and purposes, in your Christian life, then of course sin will continue to reign in your life. It can do whatever it wants if you surrender to its power. That's not because it's powerful and it's got the power to reign over you and master you. It's just that you've made the mistake of believing that a rich and righteous and meaningful and beautiful life in the presence of sin, that that's going to come easy even if you're playing dead. Christian, don't be a fool. Check your pulse. Uh, So Romans 6 verse 14. Fourthly, are you playing dead? Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that's now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness or to righteousness. Look, brothers and sisters, is it fair to say we wish, we wish godliness came easy, don't we? We wish that it just flowed from us naturally, as easy as, well, as easy as sin comes to us sometimes. We wish it came to us like breathing, like our heartbeat, like as easy as waking up in the morning, as as naturally as it is to us to just feel exhausted when it comes night time. Don't we wish that the people we long to be and that God longs to bring out from us, don't we wish that we could get there and become that, uh, you know, in in our habits of, of who I am just by kind of playing dead and not even having to try? But Paul speaks here, doesn't he? What is he? What is the language that he uses? He speaks of masters and slaves. He speaks of obey and allegiance. Now, I'm going to say, I don't think it's the freedom that we wish we had from the power of sin, but Paul says it is freedom indeed. Christian, do you realise what you have? According to this, you have the permission of God, you have the empowering of God, indeed you have the Holy Spirit of God and the purpose from God for your life that says, Christian, I want you to live. Will you live like you're actually alive? Your days of playing dead when it comes to sin are over. They are gone. They are behind you. Will you fight 
like goodness is worth fighting for? Will you strive like righteousness is worth straining toward? Give your very self like a slave, which is an evocative image I know, like a slave to the very pattern of this teaching of the gospel of the goodness of Christ. Will you give yourself to that? Apply yourself to that? Will you live in this present life the goodness that you so look forward to living into eternity? Will you live in this life the goodness that you so look forward to living into eternity? Friends, I think that's the pointy end. We live now free from the penalty of sin. Yes, still in the presence of sin. But Christian, you choose to live free of its power when you live now the life that you so look forward to living into eternity. Verse 19, where Paul says, I'm using an example from everyday life. He means slavery because of human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, And to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And friends, I want to, do you believe that last bit, the very last bit there? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God to you. Is that your treasure? Is that your longing? Not sin. Is, not, is sin your treasure and your longing? No. Is the gift that God has already given you, the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, is that your joy and your longing and your treasure in this life? Can you imagine it? Not because you won it. It's not a prize for perfection. It's a gift from God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, here's my appeal. Will, you, will we live our lives now like we're going to live forever, like we treasure that goodness and that wonder that we will one day step into, like you are governed now, we are serving now, we are striving together now with the same zeal and passion and joy in goodness that we will one day share when Christ returns and forever after. Will we cultivate that today? Christian, you have sinned, yes, but you've also died. So will you now live? Let's pray. Oh God, our our saving, our forgiving, our generous, our life-giving God, judge of all evil, our Heavenly Father. Lord, at times we do, we feel powerless. Uh, We feel stuck We feel trapped perhaps by circumstance uh, or more likely by habits and sort of who we are or who we've let ourselves become. God, would you give us the eyes to see at the cross of Jesus that the powerless, hopeless, sinful us died there, gone, laid in the grave and buried and now... Now we live 
Father, by your spirit. We want to live each day, not as if we were dead, not playing dead, but in a newness of life that is worth striving for and slaving in. Not because that's how we get a reward, you've given it to us. Father, this is the life that you've spread out before us and and gifted to us. We want to live it. We want to pursue it. We, We want to never tire of it. This day and each day, would you grant us perseverance, please, as you draw us one day nearer to the life that we long for. And in a sense, in a sense, the life that we already live by the power and mercy of our God. Father, lastly, for those uh, who feel stuck right now, and I mean really stuck, for those who have perhaps despaired of uh, breaking the power of sin or ever seeing it broken in their lives, for those who haven't yet found their death in Christ's death and their life in his resurrection. Father, would you grant new life, we pray. And may we as a community of your people live life together in such a way that we're able to support one another, help one another, inspire and encourage one another on, lead one another on toward that great day of Christ's return and the goodness that we will glory in uh, when he appears. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.